All right, man. This is episode number 64 of the Cozy Quarter of Cinema. This is being recorded on Monday, June 19th, 2023 at 1.03 p.m. Hope you all have been having a very, very good and productive week. A lot of us have uh, long weekends here or uh, days off lately. And I hope you have been using that wisely. Spending the time that you have doing exactly what you want to do. This weekend has been very productive, I have to say. Reading has been accomplished, uh, writing has been accomplished, and plenty of watching has been accomplished. And we want to keep up that momentum because when we keep it going, man, it's like, you know, second nature, like driving a car or, you know, like riding a bike. It's like, oh, got to do this, got to do that, you know, because. With the time that we're given, man, we want to make sure we're doing exactly what it is that we want to do with it. If we're not, you know, sitting around and hanging out with people we don't want to hang out with or doing something we don't want to do or doing this or that, it's, it's your life, man. you got to take command of it. But uh, with the next couple of weeks, prepping for the top 10 of 1934 episode that'll be coming out at the beginning of July. So for the next uh, episode or so, this one and uh, the next two after this, actually, will be less of recent um, talk of uh, films that I've watched lately. More so of just uh, uh, what I was looking at is kind of like playing catch-up with a lot of films. Films that I wanted to uh, recommend previously that I hadn't got around to or just other kind of talk, you know, uh, of any kind of literature or art or anything like that. I'm... In the finally in the second half of this Norman Mailer book that has been completely taking up my time the past month or so. It's a very long book with uh, small text, but it has been completely engrossing. The other night I was uh, I had uh, read the part in the book where uh, he had gotten onto he, he had been on a discussion panel with uh, on the Dick Cavett show with Gore Vidal, another uh, provocative and famous author, and another woman who I believe was something of a moderator ish something uh, uh i think she was uh gore Vidal's friend but either way it was a very interesting talk between the two of them at that point in the book uh, gore Vidal had written some very unkind words about norman mailer in the press uh and norman mailer already being a bit of an eccentric character himself had a very interesting um discussion and conversation on that show i mean you you will never find that kind of interesting conversation on contemporary kind of talk shows man you you look all that up and it's just celebrities you know posting you know uh, talking about just just completely a nonsensical not uh, you know conversation you know it's almost like non-versation man you know it's like there's nothing to get out of it it's just completely shallow conversation completely shallow responses you are not going to see anyone like a norman mailer or a gorva doll on a late night show now you will see just some hollywood or some pop star talking about the most pointless of conversation it is a completely different era, and that is not to say a, romantic, a romanticizing of one era, but, you know, listening to this discussion, it was so fascinating hearing these two go back and forth and these two eccentric personalities ultimately clashing. Uh, and then you look now, and it's just nothing of the sort. It is, it is just nothing worthwhile, man. Completely devoid of any sort of intellectual property. It is completely, completely pointless. With that said, I want to talk about a couple of films if I can get the opportunity to, you know, if I uh, have the time to, I should say more so, because the 1934 watches are going very well. Been seeing some really terrific films, some other films that are not so good, but are uh, 
getting watched nonetheless. You know, it's very interesting to see a lot of famous actors and actresses of this time. In earlier works, you have great actors like John Wayne, Joan Crawford, Betty Davis, you know, Fred Astaire, all these just great actors. And seeing earlier works of theirs, it just is a true great start to their career, you know, earlier so, I should say. But, uh, so one of the films that I wanted to talk about a little bit recently that I just didn't get an opportunity to for the sake of time is, uh, the film Variety, man. Uh, this film is from 19, uh, let me get the year up, actually. 1983. So this is about the time about, uh, so this, this is, uh, directed by Betty Gordon. It's about this, uh, main girl. What the hell is the uh, actor's name? I want to pull it up here. What I got right here. Sandra McLeod. I believe it's her name. She plays this girl, Christine. And, uh, you know, she is in the heart of Times Square in the early 1980s. So the last kind of bastion of this era, you know, going into the mid-80s when we had the AIDS, you know, uh, epidemic and stuff. And that's a little conversation right there. But going from the 70s into the 80s, you know, you're still at a lot of, you know, that, that whole era of Times Square, of the dirty theaters, of the peep shows, of the erotic bookstores, man, just completely different than what it is now, the total Disneyfication of just corporate landscape, man. But anyway, so she needs a job, so she ends up working at this adult movie theater in the ticket booth, in the ticket taker. And you're watching this film, and, uh, you know, it's very low-key, it's uh, very light on plot, heavier on character, but the closest that it is to a, uh, to something contemporary, you have actor Luis Guzman, who you've seen in probably many contemporary comedies. He's, uh, you know, one of these guys where you look him up and you just know that you've seen him before. He's been in so much work, but I believe this was maybe his first film or one of his first films. He plays something of a, uh, he, uh, one of the co-workers, kind of like a janitor in a way, uh, you know, helps clean up the theater. But, you know, I love this whole era of any kind of film or any kind of, uh, 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 whatever it is, uh, documentary, uh, 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 any kind of photography of uh, New York in this era. I love seeing the marquees, the billboards, the posters for the erotic films, man. I love seeing the interiors of these cinemas, man. And the Variety Theater was a real cinema, man. I don't know if it showed primarily adult films. I believe it did. But, you know, what I love is how this way, the way the film is shot. You know, Betty Gordon, we go inside the cinema. We actually see the interiors of it. I was talking about that film a couple months ago. Sam Mendes' new film, Empire of Light, that came out at the end of 2022, which I, I've talked about a couple of times that I really like a lot. But one of my favorite, favorite sequences of the year was right at the beginning when they're opening up the theater and you see these great, you know, posters for like, you know, these these United Kingdom posters, you know, that are, are way more uh, horizontal than they are vertical and just opening up the concession stand and getting the projector ready. It's just a beautiful portrait of just a great cinema right there, man. And this is the same, man, because this is less about the cinema and more about... Uh, kind of this character was feeling kind of lost in life and there's an interesting dynamic where you know she makes small talk with her co-worker she kind of does her own thing she doesn't really have a clear path and what it does interestingly enough is that uh as it goes on it's way more which i should also say by the way is that if you're interested at all in this time period this is almost kind of mandatory viewing because you're going to see so many interesting uh, uh marquees and and cinemas and uh, advertisements for like you know adult films man like you know stuff like i like to watch and other films like that but about halfway through or so this becomes less about the 
Uh, not that it ever really was about the cinema, but but halfway through it really kind of strays away from that, where the cinema is featured less and less and more about this character, where we have this other character who, uh, whose name I apologize, I do not remember uh, what who the actor is, but this kind of this guy who's coming around the uh, the cinema, and he's you know trying to kind of hit on her, be kind of like you know a creep or anything like that. In any other film, it would be this this singular kind of character, this singular kind of black and white morality there. But then it's interesting where that character is kind of taken, man, how they're relationship uh kind of envelops the way the film goes on and the film definitely takes a direction that you don't necessarily think it would man and is it because of the negligence of the main protagonist or is it because of a screenwriting kind of trope to, to move the uh the story along and that's completely up for you to decide but the way that it does it man is so cool uh the way that they t- they do with this character there's there's long sequences without dialogue uh Sandra McLeod is an actor that I'm really not familiar with I don't think she's done a lot before or after this um let me look on our imdb here actually so it looks like she actually did less of acting work and did more of uh script uh, supervising she actually went on to work on uh quite uh, you know a couple of john sales films uh city of hope and limbo and uh, City of Hope is one I haven't talked about on the show, but I, I'm a big fan of that film. And she also was a script supervisor on another uh, Times Square film from 1980 called Times Square. Uh, this recently got a release from Kino, which I watched recently. This has a uh, most notably a small role uh, from Tim Curry, but this also has, uh, I mean, it also has a great, you know, kind of portrait of Times Square in this era, man. You know, I think it's a good film. It's a little bit shallow, but overall, I think it is a fun film, and I just love films from, from this period that can really show show off kind of the society that was around it and you know obviously I recommend uh, 42nd Street Pete's uh, YouTube channel I, I don't watch as much of his stuff anymore I find myself kind of disagreeing with a lot more of his opinions than you know than he brings up but I think he's a very fascinating guy in his book that he wrote a couple years ago uh, talking about kind of his experiences on 42nd Street and Times Square and the uh, you know the cinemas he would go to and the you know people he interacted is all very interesting and I think I don't know if that book is out of print or not it's a very short book you can read it in a day easily but if you're, you know, you're committed to it, but very interesting nonetheless. That actually led me to uh, go on and research some about the Variety Theater. And I uh, also want to give a little nod to the website, cinematreasures.org. It's just uh, what it's become, just my favorite website. Just tons and tons and tons of images and pictures from cinemas all around the world, open and closed, you know, people just contributing their own photos, their own kind of advertisements for the cinema. It's just, I, I found myself at you know, one day recently, it's just on the site for hours, man. It was, or, you know, for a long period of time, maybe not hours, but you just, you know, and you look at the Variety Theater on there, which has now been closed down, which as most of those New York cinemas, those Times Square cinemas have, you know, the Rialto and the Arrow. I mean, they're all gone, man, or they've been replaced, you know. There was somebody, I think it was, I don't know what website it was. It was, uh, it was an adult website that was actually putting uh, points onto where all these cinemas were and all these uh, these bathhouses were and where they are now. You can give that a Google. I don't remember what the name of the website was. I remember trying to look it up on my computer, and my computer was acting very slow with it. But it's just a different era, man. 
You know, it's, it's, which is fine. I mean, it's, it's one thing to talk about kind of, you know, uh, rose-tinted glasses of a certain era where, yeah, man, I'm not going to act like I was, you know, you know, I was too young for any of that. I'm not going to act like I was like, oh, it was a great era and all that. But I do think that a bit of a character, a bit of character is lost. You know, I've been to Times Square once or twice and it's just completely nauseating. Just these, just these, these bright lights, these loud advertisements, just flickering everywhere, man. It's truly, just, there's no character to it. It's one of these cities that just, uh, you know, this this area, not even the city, but the area, just looks like anywhere else, man. Besides the the shallow geography of it, you know, you look straight down Times Square, and you know, it's it's unmistakably that. I mean, I'm at this point now. I think of Times Square, and I think of that scene from uh, Terra Firmer where the uh, actor. I forgot his name. He passed by the way. He's just running down straight through Times Square naked, man. It's completely wild, man. But uh, yeah, I know you can see a lot of these cities that have just lost personality. They all look the same. They all have the same exteriors. There's just nothing really to it. And that's why it's just so fun to see, you know, especially on a site like this, just seeing these kind of a smaller kind of local cinemas, man, what they bring to each town that they uh, appear in, you know, the Mon Paws, you know, kind of uh, cinemas, maybe have a screen or two. And uh, it's just, I just find that all that stuff so fascinating. But Variety, uh, I really enjoyed this film, man. Like I said, it's, it's the, the, you know, you get your taste of that look at Times Square at that era, but you also get a really solid character study, really great look at a lot of these locations at the time and you know long sequences without dialogue and actually what I wanted to say is that for any recent uh, kind of documentary fans if you've been watching any recent I should say any recent documentaries there is the documentary that came out in 2022 which got nominated for a cup for uh, an academy award all the beauty and the bloodshed about um let me pull up her name right here I uh, apologize I forget her name that was uh, Nan Golden and the, the, the documentary goes back and forth between uh, her life in New York City and being involved in this art scene and photography and stuff and up to a contemporary kind of protest where she's going up against the uh, Sackler family and, uh, you know, talks about her personal relationship with, you know, people who have uh, passed away because of them and stuff. Anyway, it's a, it's a very good documentary. It's on HBO Max right now. But there's a sequence in that that talk about a, uh, a pub or I think it was a pub. Yeah, I think it was that she frequented and that she had been involved with. They actually filmed uh, some of Variety in and they actually show a clip from Variety in the documentary. So I recommend both those films, Variety, which uh, I don't, like I said, it's on, it has a Kino Blu-ray. I don't know if it's streaming or anything, but uh, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, which is a very good documentary, which is on Am- uh, yeah, <laughs> HBO Max right now, which is worth your time, especially, like I said, especially if you're a fan of that era. It's uh, just a lot of great portraits, a lot of great photography. I think the, the flashbacks that film are much stronger than the contemporary newer uh, um, kind of a, uh, uh, things going on in that film. You know, the Sackler family stuff is interesting, um, but I don't think it's as interesting as the uh, flashbacks and stuff. Anyways, both those films are worth your time nonetheless. And let me pull this up right here. Uh, let's see here. So speaking of kind of a place and a time, I want to get this up right here. Uh, okay, from 1998, let me get this here, I guess technically 1999, because this was, this played at a festival in Canada in 98, but actually was not released until 1999 in the rest of the world, including, interesting, there's no American release date on here, but I imagine that it probably did don't know anyways this is the film la without a map from 99 directed by mika kurismaki 
And, uh, you know, this has a very interesting cast behind it. You know, you have some big names behind this. You have the four main characters, man. You have David Tennant, uh, who's been in a bunch of stuff. He was on Doctor Who. He was in the um, remake of Fright Night. Um, you have my guy, Vincent Gallo, who I just think is one of the great uh, artists of the 20th century, man. And you have Julie Delpy from, uh, you know, the Before series by Richard Linklater. She's been in plenty of other work. And then you also have the fourth character, Vanessa Shaw, who has been in a handful of films. She was in Eyes Wide Shut, a very memorable role in that. She was in uh, the remake of 310 to Yuma. Uh, she still does a lot of stuff. But you have three, you have four great leads there, man. You have David Tennant. You got this guy who I think he was coming from... I don't remember, Ireland or Scotland or one of those places. Anyways, he's like, I'm going to Hollywood. I'm going to live my life out there, man. I'm going to have a good time. And he goes out there, and it goes about as well as exactly as you would expect. That things are not going well. Everyone wants to be an actor. Everyone wants to be a writer. Everyone wants to be this big hot shot. But eventually gets involved with Vincent Gallo, who plays a very charismatic, interesting character. He's this guy who just, you know, he's very constantly talking, constantly moving around. You know, he's kind of a ladies' man in a way, if you will. But they developed this very interesting friendship meanwhile they both have uh lovers on the side man i think it was i'm trying to remember I, i'm because the thing with some of these films i've been a little while since i've seen these so i do apologize for uh, uh if i get some information wrong but i believe it was vincent gallo's character who was involved with julie delpy's character uh and kind of the uh, you know they're they're playing background characters but they're still interesting they're still both very charismatic vincent gallo especially i've talked about before in the past of just sort of i think he's such an interesting and charismatic leading man i've talked about before you know buffalo buffalo 66 made my Fate was my favorite film of 1998, and, um, you know, The Brown Bunny, I think, is just such an underappreciated and interesting film, man. I think it's one of these films that, because of the controversy behind it, and because of Vincent Gallo's personality, and especially his kind of reaction to some of the negative opinions, ultimately it overshadowed the film itself, but I think that in part two availability of it, you know, I remember there was a local, a local uh, uh, rental store I used to frequent gosh 10 years ago or so and they had a copy of the dvd there and to this day i just wish i could i wish i grabbed that copy man uh but actually interestingly enough that vincent gallo ended up uh very briefly selling a very um just a disc only i think it was disc only or had a very just just nothing packaging blu-ray of the brown bunny very very briefly on his website and i would have liked to have gotten a copy but one it was a little pricey i think it was like 30 some odd dollars and two i think it was just the disc or it wasn't like a traditional blu-ray case i I mean you can probably go online and just download your own your own artwork for that but i'd love to see a company like criterion or arrow just uh pick up you know the brown bunny and pick up uh buffalo 66 i mean buffalo 66 has a blu-ray now but i don't there's not a lot of features on there i mean the production of that was is pretty kind of well known i mean kind of pretty much clashed with everybody on set on that and had some very unkind words for some of his co-actors and stuff but i think that it is just i think it is a brilliant film i think that a big part of that film is his performance in that he plays such a uh uh a charismatic in a way, but but really kind of like a loser, in a, like, you know, in that film where he's just like lashing out at everybody and you think like no one would like this guy, but then you watch the film and then he gets to the second 
half. And really, you just see what kind of a guy he is. There's really nothing for him in, in life. And even this girl who was uh, at first was scared of him really feels kind of uh, sorry for him. Feels kind of feels kind of pity. She's like, this guy's not a threat at all. He wants to wants to be this kind of person that he he is not. He's not a hard ass. He's just a guy who is unstable and ultimately looking for something more. And uh, there's just that one moment in the end of the film, man, that I thought was so. There's two sequences at the end of that film I think are so great that just really stuck with me. Is that one when he gets on the phone with um, what's that, Kevin Conley? And just the conversation he has with them. And I'm not going to say any spoilers or anything like that. Because it's not even necessarily about the spoilers. But it's more so about, I don't want to talk about anything related to any kind of reveal or anything like that. But the way that he talks about it. And the way that he kind of comes to terms with him as a person, as a character. And then that sequence, the very last sequence of the film when he's in the coffee store. And he's at the coffee place. And he's like uh, kind of interacting with people there. And you just see that he, he is still this charismatic guy. But he has this such loving personality by the end. You know, it's just so great, man. I mean, it truly... It, it's just one of these films where I can watch it just so many times, and I, I just love Vincent Gallo as an actor. And and uh, I've talked about before the film he did in 2009, uh, Tetro, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, which I think is so so criminally underrated, man. I mean, the more I've thought about that film, the more I've liked it. Him and Alden, um, the actor whose last name I can't remember, I do apologize, but he was in, he played, uh, he, I mean, it was because his biggest would be when he was uh, Han Solo in the Solo um Star Wars film. Uh, he was also in like Hail Caesar, and he's also a very good actor. He was in that uh, what was that uh, Warren Beatty film that came out? Um, that came out recently. I'm blanking on the name of. Uh, we played Howard Hughes. Um, no rules applied. I think it was called. Or no, something like that. Anyways, either way, he's a very good actor, and I think that that film is so underappreciated. Um, in terms of recent stuff, I haven't. I have not watched that. Uh, new version of Twixt yet, I, which I, I've been wanting to mean, I would have been wanting to, I haven't even seen Twixt, but, um, but apparently he's got, uh, Megalopolis apparently is coming out next year, uh, supposedly at least, I know that was having some production issues, but I mean, you know, Coppola's work, you know, is kind of, uh, pretty much known for <laughs> some of his production issues, man, but either way, what am I talking about, I'm talking about Ellie without a map, I'm going on this whole ty- tyrant about, uh, this tirade, I should say, about Vince Gell and how much I love him as an actor, but anyways, what I'm saying is that it's also a cameo from one of my favorite filmmakers, uh, Monty Hillman, which I knew he was going to be in the film, and I was like, that was just so cool that of all these, they, they go for a big Hollywood director, and they go for Monty Hillman, who's just made, just, I mean, he made one of my all-time, very all-time favorite films, Two, uh, two Lane Blacktop, but he's also done so much other great work. I, I grabbed that, uh, I begrudgingly grabbed that Blu-ray of Cockfighter, that Scream Factory I put out, the limited edition, and, you know, man, if you can find it for cheaper than what I paid for, then go for it, because that is such a terrific film with, um, War Notes and Harry Dean Stan that I had, I had seen on such a bad copy before that I think was part of the reason why the first time that I saw it, I was like, man, I just do not like this film because of the, I think, I think in part, because there's a lot of dialogue I was missing, you know, there's a lot of just, you know, it was just a bad looking print, and, uh, that Blu-ray as well, I think is the same as the Japanese Blu-ray, I remember hearing Brian Sauer talk about it, 
and he said that when he bought the I should say Shout Factory, not Screen Factory, whatever. But he bought the that copy as well, and and I think he said that was the same print. Which a lot of those Japanese Blu-rays just do not look good, man. I mean, I'm sorry, you know that that I mean, I had the uh, the Blu-ray of Martin that was a Japanese Blu-ray, and it looked like a DVD, man. I mean, you know, and I, I still have that Second Sight 4K sealed on the shelf. I have not even rewatched it yet. You know, I buy all these titles and I just don't rewatch it. I mean, next the funny thing as a collector is that you know you buy these films that you want to have but you don't have any, a real urgency to watch like recently I, I did pick up the I did order the Blu-ray of Skid America because uh, I, I, I wanted to, to listen to the commentary on that um, but will I watch anytime soon I don't know man probably not you know <laughs> I just saw it a couple months ago it's still very fresh in my mind um, so I thought that I'll probably sit in the shelf for a while and uh, especially if you're a, you know uh, like a, I'm, a, I'm a subscriber to Vinegar Syndrome stuff and there's some films they put out that I know I don't like that I get anyways like Beware of Children at Play which is a trauma film that I got last year and it's still yeah, still sealed on the shelf it's probably never going to be open because I'm just not a fan of that film it's got one good sequence at the end but the rest of that film is a snoozer man I tell you Anyways, going back to L.A. without a map, David Tennant, as well in the film, he's a very likable, charismatic lead. And I think, in part, it helps that you're liking the film, liking the film, you know, it's good and all that. But then, I think, once Vincent Gallo gets in the film is really where a lot of the film shines because David Tennant is good on his own, but when he has that back and forth of Vincent Gallo, who is such a charismatic, likable character, he's always, you know, smoking cigarettes. He's always saying, you know, yo, bro, yo, hey, bro, hey, bro. I mean, he says bro more than Mark Borchardt says man, man, I tell you, you know, it's, it's insanity. But Vincent Gallo, he's this, you know, very charismatic character. He works for this pool company, and the two of them. Oh, and also I gotta say, which I won't even say what the uh, I won't even say what the reveal is. But there's a uh, there's a uh, uh, David Tennant kind of looks at a uh, a character from a uh, uh, well, he looks at a, a poster for a Jim Jarmusch film. And he kind of interacts with that uh, actor and character on the poster, kind of looks for them for advice. And uh, at first I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. They just kind of, uh, you know, uh, you know, the director was just obviously a fan of this film and, you know, wanted to show it off. But then that actor actually uh, shows up, you know, and does some movements. And it's like, oh, man, that's that's so cool. They got not only that actor, but that actor from that specific film, man. And I don't want to say what it is. And I don't recommend looking up the film on YouTube because I went to go look up a couple of clips and that actor and that film him playing that character is um, is uh, is shows up a couple times. I think it'll be a more fun reveal, especially if you're a Jim Jarmusch fan. You're like, oh, that's great, you know, that's that's so cool, you know. Speaking of Jim Jarmusch, man, maybe this one, maybe one of these episodes will talk about Patterson. I I've, I I gotta I really want to talk about that film, man. Um, but I haven't yet. That's such a uh, such an important film to me that I never talked about in the show. But oh my gosh, man, I do apologize. I'm going off on this total tirade here, man. This is what happens when I don't have notes. They just start talking about absolute nonsense, man. I just start talking about all this other stuff. But I will say though is that Ellie Without a Map is a very very enjoyable film. It's I mean it's truly when I talk about the cozy corner of cinema, man, it really is one of these films that I mean a cozy film can mean many things to you. It can mean a film that you've seen a bunch of times that you know you watch when maybe you're feeling down or you're feeling in a good mood and you're just like I want to watch something very cozy something that I know that I like you know there's plenty of films that I love that I I consider cozy films you know uh you know it, and and this is one that I think is so cozy that when you watch it just hanging out with these characters in the setting you know it's so likable you know these characters are so likable and so enjoyable and even when there are conflicts it's 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 still just so enjoyable to watch man um 
this film is on Amazon Prime, I do have to say. There was a time when it wasn't on Prime, then I went to go watch it. So, uh, just heads up on there. But at the time of recording this, this, this is on Prime, and I think is very much worth uh, your time. And actually, speaking of Gallo, I meant to say before that I got from the last Vinegar Syndrome uh, uh, title, part of titles uh, uh, releases, I grabbed Trouble, uh, Trouble Every Day, which has Vincent Gallo in it, which is a Claire Denis film. Uh, but I mean, the grab that just for Gallo, I'm, I've got, you know, I've only seen a couple of Claire Denis films and I've got very um, uh, uh, mixed opinions on her work. But I, I do think that she is an interesting filmmaker, even if I'm not... Uh, you know, the biggest fan of some of her work, but that will definitely be watched soon, especially because of Vincent Gallo. And uh, actually, speaking of, which, speaking of Vinegar Syndrome as well, I got the 4K of Freeway 2, which I haven't seen yet. I haven't seen the first Freeway yet. Um, uh, with, I think, also Natasha Leone's in the second film, who's also one of my favorite actors. I think she's uh, just such an interesting, charismatic personality, and I'll, I'll watch anything that she's in, man. I think she's great. Um, it was great seeing her have a cameo in uh, the Knives Out sequel, uh, uh, cause I know she's friends with Ryan Johnson and stuff, but yeah, I think she's just such an interesting, great, uh, charismatic uh, actor, and uh, I love that she went to, went to bat for um, Out of the Blue when that was getting its re-release. Uh, but I talked about that film. Actually, Out of the Blue, I talked about the second or third episode of the show. I talked about that for just a half hour straight and how much I love that film. But anyways, man, I'm rambling on now. Here I am, disorganized, talking about these films. Variety, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Ellie Without a Map, Buffalo 66, Brown Bunny. These films are all worth your time, man. Do not succumb to the nonsensical, nauseating, mainstream, just garbage fast food cinema, man. You will not get anything out of it. They will not stick with you. In 5 or 10 or 15 years, you will not be talking about the latest superhero thing. Uh, and if that's your thing, if that's... Oh, here we go. If that's your thing, you're like, Dan, you're crazy. In 15 years, I will be talking about this. I say, hey, man, then you are on the path to success, man. Enjoy the art that you want to enjoy. Take it in, whatever it is. Even if you disagree with me, you say, Dan, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. That's your prerogative. That's your right. And I ain't going to try to steer you in the opposite direction, man. Enjoy the art you want to enjoy. Anyways, guys, we still got plenty of daylight left here. There's going to be plenty of reading done today, plenty of writing and screenwriting, and, of course, plenty of watching, man. You guys have a fantastic rest of your day. Make sure you're using your time wisely. Do what it is exactly what you want to do, and don't waste your own time, man, because we only got this one life, so you might as well take advantage of it while you still got it. All right, man. You guys have a good one. I'm out of here. Until next time.